Well, it's time to get rid of the old and uh, take on the new. That uh, has been our clarion call uh, all through this new year. And here we uh, find ourselves here some six weeks uh, after the new year considering the same things. And we find ourselves uh, right at the, uh, at the very beginnings of Lent as we anticipate uh, Ash Wednesday here this week. This morning, we uh, close out our present sermon series, Old Habits, New Habits. And all through, we have been challenged and inspired. To be honest with you, the holy habits that we've been uh, talking about have uh, gained quite a bit of traction in my life, for which I am very, very thankful. Again, I, I certainly hope that's been the case for you. I, I hope that uh, these holy habits have gained traction in, in your life. This morning, we consider the holy habit of fasting, which very well may be the toughest of the habits we have talked about. If we're not inspired this morning, then certainly every one of us will be challenged as we talk about fasting and as we prepare to follow up to, to actually make that a part of our lives. So today we read from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. We read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, where Jesus talks about fasting and and doing so for all the right reasons. So let's hear from Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. We find this from God's Word. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So this is God's Word. May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this Word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word, may God bless us all. Well, presently, uh, Mardi Gras celebrations are being held all over the world, albeit uh, much differently uh, during this uh, global pandemic. There won't be any parades like the one you, uh, you see here on the screen. Believe it or not, uh, Mardi Gras is a Christian festival, festival that dates back centuries. It's hard to believe, given all the debauchery and excess that goes on during Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, as we know, culminates with, uh, with Fat Tuesday. Over the centuries on Fat Tuesday, uh, people have consumed all the rich foods that they had stored up. All of this in preparation for the season of Lent, which was and is to this day a season of fasting and penance. We'll all have to admit that Fat Tuesday is a bit over the top these days and left to, to wonder if those who 
party so hard on Fat Tuesday are just as serious when it comes to Ash Wednesday. It's interesting that the last sermon in this series puts us right at the doorstep of Lent. We're not quite to Lent yet. I can't believe that it is just about upon us. This year is just flying by. During Lent, you and I, among other things, will put our focus on those things we need to give up. All of us will be considering those sort of things. We do that so that we might be able to take on those things we need to take up. So you get the rhythm of it. We, we give up in order to, to take up or to take on. A consideration of, of where we are and where we need to be is very much a part of the Lenten journey. And so all of us contemplate where we are, some things we need to do differently, some things we need to let go of so that we might find ourselves drawing closer to God. And penance and sacrifice is very much a part of that. The two help us experience Jesus more deeply. With that in mind, we shouldn't be surprised that the last holy habit we we talk about here today and in the conclusion of the series is fasting. Fasting is essentially doing without, so our focus might be on more important things, namely the very power and presence of God in our lives. Fasting has a way of invigorating our spiritual lives and and bringing glory to God. John Wesley once wrote, and John Wesley was, was famous for the discipline of, of fasting in his own life. Well, he had this to say. First, let, <clears throat> let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him. Let our intention herein be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father which is in heaven. And so when we fast, we essentially glorify our God. We seek Him, and in seeking Him, we find ourselves strengthened, we find ourselves directed, we find ourselves clearly drawn closer to Him. Most of us really don't make much of a regular practice of fasting. You know, if we took a poll, we would all have to to admit that. I'll be the first to admit that fasting is is one of the the tougher spiritual disciplines for me. Now, I've fasted plenty of times, but it has never been very easy. And I'll need to be aware of that as I try and fast this Lent. Let's face it, it's tough giving up what you've come to value. And for me, food is just one of those things. Preachers are afforded so few vices but food is one of them. As we read just a few moments ago from from Scripture, Christ was not at all silent about fasting. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus offers a word about fasting, and more importantly, a word about how to go about it in the right spirit. He essentially says the same thing when it comes to, to praying and giving to the poor. A right spirit is critical, whether it should be praying, whether it would be giving alms to the poor, whether it's a matter of fasting. 
we need to have a right spirit about us. Jesus doesn't command us to, to fast. He just assumes that we will. He doesn't command us to fast. He just assumes that that sort of thing is taking place in our lives. He begins his thoughts on the subject of fasting with the words, when you fast. The words, if you fast, or you should fast, are really not mentioned here. Basically, he says, when you fast. There's a, a certain assumption there. And as with all things spiritual, motivation is the key. We need to be asking ourselves all the time why we do what we do, particularly when it comes to our spiritual lives. During Christ Day, people fasted essentially to be noticed. When people fasted, they, they threw ashes over their head, and those same ashes would then, would then drift down onto their faces. Their intent was to call attention to themselves. They wanted to be recognized for their piety. Theirs was a misguided motivation. Hey, look at me. See what I'm doing. I'm fasting. I, look, look, I'm, I'm being so religious as those ashes would filter down and, and soil their face. Jesus begged to differ. He, he, he stood to disagree. Here again, he had a lot to say about such things. Let's hear it again. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. They have received their reward. But when you fast, put, on, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Fast only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Practicing piety in whatever form to be noticed by anyone other than God essentially just defeats the purpose. What we need to do is to, to, to do what we do before an audience of one. Not so much concerned with those who are around us, who might notice us, who might uh, sort of pat us on the back, if you will. No, ours needs to be an audience of one, and that audience of one is God himself. So when it comes to fasting, what we, we do, what we do to, to draw attention to God and his purposes for our lives, ours is not to gain attention to ourselves. And again, that certainly relates to fasting, but anything else we do, whether it be giving to those who are in need or whether it be, uh, be praying before other people, we need to do so to an audience of one. You and I would do well to see fasting as a grand opportunity, not as just some, something weighted upon us, but a, but a grand opportunity that opens all sorts of opportunities for us to know God more deeply. Fasting offers us the opportunity to get out of the way and to let God do his thing. When coupled with prayer, again, prayer and fasting, the two are intrinsically tied. When coupled with, with prayer, it offers uh, the, the divine opportunity for real breakthrough. When we fast, 
and we couple that with prayer. When we pray and we couple that with fasting, we can anticipate great breakthrough in the things that we are facing. When we fast, we say no to ourselves and what we want and say yes to God and what He wants. Mark Batterson writes in his book, The Circle Maker. It's a book that a small group that I'm in on Wednesday nights has been been moving through. It's a wonderful book on prayer. But Batterson talks just a, a bit about fasting in the, in the context of praying. And he says this, when you fast and pray in tandem, it's almost like moving, uh, like a moving sidewalk to your desired destination. You get there in half the time. And of course, the image is of, of that moving sidewalk that, that you get on at the airport. And you, you get on it and and, and you just seem to move twice as fast as others who are walking alongside. And when you couple that with walking along that, uh, that moving sidewalk, uh, you get there in, in, in record time. When we focus our minds are cleared, our hearts are purified, and our focus is, uh, is riveted on God. When we fast, our minds are cleared, our hearts are purified, and our focus is riveted on God. All other motivations are put aside for the sake of seeking God's will for a particular issue. We get on that uh, moving sidewalk, if you will. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, has a wonderful chapter on fasting. He's so serious about God's leadership when we fast that he asserts that all fasting should be God-initiated and God-ordained. God-initiated and God-ordained. And that speaks to us as we move into the season of Lent and as we seek maybe to, to employ the discipline of fasting in our lives. We need to have a sense of God initiating what we do and ordaining the very things that we do as we fast. That way we find ourselves depending on Him. Instead of our energies figuring into the equation, we trust more so in the power of God. Again, it's not about us, but it's about God working in us and God working through us. As it is with so many of the holy habits, if left to ourselves, you and I are apt to fail. Trusting in God and His power will see us through every time. The key is getting out of the way so God can do His thing. So fasting doesn't ex exclusively have to do with food. Let's, let's admit that. There are many things that we need to pull away from, things that, that get in between ourselves and God. And what are, those, what are some of those things for you? And I encourage you to, to spend time as you approach this season of Lent to, to, to figure some of those things that get in between yourself and God, some of those things that uh, you need to pull away from. For me, I do well to, to watch a lot less TV. A fast from the flat screen would, would do me well. The same could be said for all the time that I spend in, in front of the computer. 
Food, though, is, is often what people think of when they think of fasting. That certainly was what Jesus had in mind as he, as he speaks from the, his Sermon on the Mount from uh, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Now, I have to tell you that I am uh, pretty much fixated on food. A grieve is always looking for his or her next meal. It's just, it's just a part of, uh, of our DNA. With, with my family, we can sit around the table finishing one meal and we'll be discussing what we're going to eat for our, our next meal. Now, there are many reasons why I run, and, and there are a ton of those. But one of them is that my running gives me the luxury of being pretty much able to eat whatever I want. To miss a meal, I got to tell you, is a big deal for me. To miss a few meals is even, even for spiritual reasons, is an even bigger deal. For one who tends to eat his problems, fasting is that much tougher. I only bring that up because I figure that I'm not alone when it comes to, uh, to eating your problems. I get home at night, and as Cheryl says, I, I just tend to graze. And she's right about that. I'm just eating pretty much a little here and a little there the entire evening. There's a lot of nervous eating that goes on. And you know, I do well to pull away. And I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about getting food out of the way so I might see God more clearly. Saying no is a spiritual exercise. And it is a good thing when we say no to those things that come in between us and our relationship with God. It allows us to see when we do such things who our true sustenance really is. All the things that we've talked about over the past few weeks, prayer, Bible study, worship, service, the sacraments, and today, fasting, are all means of grace. They are highways of sorts that, that lead us to the very throne of God. And fasting is very much included in that list. The means of grace awaken us to God's love. They make us aware of His every desire to, prepare, to provide for our lives. And clearly, fasting awakens us to the one who is indeed the very sustenance of our lives. God is able to provide infinitely more than, than any all-you-can-eat buffet could ever do. And fasting is the very thing that awakens us to that sort of thing. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.12 writes, I will not be enslaved to anything. A conscious, disciplined, spirit-led choice to fast from whatever it is that has a hold on you may be the very thing to free you, to follow God like you never have before. A conscious, disciplined decision, a, a choice to fast from, from whatever it is that has a hold on you. And you've got to make that decision. You and God, this is something that you work out between yourself and your Lord. Whatever it is that has a hold on you, 
that you fast from that and you, you find yourselves freed to follow God like you'd never have before. Fasting may also be the very thing to, to clear your vision so you're able to see where it is God wants you to go and what it is God wants you to do. All these things as we seek to fast from the very things that have a hold on us. Well, Dolly Parton has been in the news here lately, uh, particularly last Sunday night. She did a remake of her uh, great song, Nine to Five. She did that for a, a Super, Bowl, Super Bowl commercial. The remake uh, is titled uh, Five to Nine and honors those who are busy with what's called a side hustle. You know, kind of a second job, but, but one that you really have a, a deep passion around. You know, I've been impressed with Dolly Parton for a long, long time. My grandkids in Nashville get a book from her foundation every month. Every month they get a book from her foundation. Every kid in Tennessee, every preschooler, gets that same book. Now, I'll tell you what, that is a big deal. Way to go, Dolly. Well, quite a few years back, People Magazine interviewed Dolly Parton. And during that interview, she... Uh, surprised the, the interviewer with, uh, with one of her responses. The interview asked, interviewer asked her, where do you get such a strong character? And with that, uh, Dolly began to talk about her family and her faith. And then the interviewer asked, well, what about psychiatry? So many people find the need to get counseling, especially uh, given the stresses in show business. And Dolly said this, I, uh, I don't see a psychiatrist. I don't see a counselor. I fast instead. And the interviewer said, you what? And she said, I, I fast instead. I fast. I do, I do it to get in touch with God. Sometimes I fast 7, 14, sometimes 21 days. I don't drink nothing, she says. I don't drink nothing but water, and I... I don't ever say that I'm on a fast. Scripture says you're not supposed to. I have never made a major decision without fasting and prayer. Way to go, Dolly. Jesus assumes that you and I are going to fast. He knows full well that doing so will connect us with God in, in powerful and profound ways. So let me encourage you to give it a try. Give it a try. I want you to know that I'm, I'm going to do the same. And hopefully you won't know that I'm doing it while I'm doing it. Let's pray together. God, we pray, Lord, that as we move into the season of Lent, that our hearts and minds would be alert to the movement of your spirit and that you would lead us uh, to uh, a continued consideration of the spiritual disciplines that draw us closer to you and to one another. Lord, we pray that uh, you would stir in our souls to the end that uh, we would, uh, would be led to fast. We pray, Lord, first that you uh, work to identify those very things that uh, stand in between ourselves and you.
And we pray, Lord, that in the power of your Spirit, that you would, uh, would help us uh, in the power of that same Spirit to, uh, to, to be able to pull away from them, to do away with them, to the end that we are able to take on the mantle of your presence, that we would live in the same, and that we would find ourselves strengthened. Lord, we, uh, we pray that uh, we would uh, be given over to you, and that as we are given over to you fully, may it be that we enjoy and, 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 and certainly revel in the great, uh, great good news that is Christ, that we would enjoy your presence, that in enjoying your presence, that we would give you all the glory. So God, we pray that you would, uh, would work in us and bring us to the place where, uh, where fasting is a part of uh, our expression of deep love and devotion to you. We, we pray that the same would be true as we offer our prayers, as we offer our worship, as we uh, seek to, to serve in your name. Thanks, God, for drawing us to you. We do love you and need you. We seek to give you our lives as we emerge into this grand season ahead. This prayer we make in the name of Christ our Lord, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.